Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Maya Sophia. Maya Sophia released her debut album Bath Time at the end of 2019 and less than two months later it was nominated for the Choice Music Prize for Irish Album of the Year. So a lot of people kind of dipped into it. Ah, oh, Bath Time reference. That was, uh, that was quick. Very quickly and really, really fell for this album and you can see why it's just a really really nice enveloping listen and it's quite sparse in places Maya Sophia is a uh, guitarist singer songwriter from Galway currently based in Dublin and has crafted this album kind of around the theme of stories of women through history the likes of Edie Sedgwick and Bridget Cleary are tales that she kind of tells through the album. There are also references to the likes of the writer Jean Reese on The Glitter. And there's also tracks about the Catholic Church, the hypocrisy of the church that really, really don't hold back. So Maya Sophia is up for the album of the year that will be decided on March the 5th at a ceremony in Vicar Street. You can buy tickets to it. I think I've said on this podcast before that it's one of my favourite nights of the year and I thoroughly recommend it. I think seven acts have been confirmed of the ten nominations to be playing the show so far. So it really, really is a great night and I really, really can't wait to see Maya Sophia on that lovely big Vicar Street stage. Before that though, She's going to be playing Collins in Cork on Sunday, the 8th of February. It's an afternoon show. Doors are at 4pm. She's going to be playing with uh, Lemoncello, who are really, really great. That's part of Quarter Block Party, which takes place across Cork all weekend. It's a brilliant, brilliant festival. And I'm delighted that I was asked back to do a TPOE podcast at quarter block party that's going to take place in plugged upstairs at the roundy from 4 p.m on saturday the 8th i think this is the third year in a row that i've been asked to do the podcast at quarter block party so thanks a million to all of the folks who are involved as ever in organizing quarter block party it's gonna be a really really great weekend can't wait to uh get down there and see all of the music but anyway i was up in dublin to chat with Maya Sophia. She's uh, currently in Trinity College doing a course. I met her in one of the buildings right at the top on like the fifth floor of the building. I don't really know Trinity College at all. So Maya met me and kind of uh, showed me around, pointed out some things to me. And then we uh, found a quiet room and we had a little chat about the making of the album, about Junior Brother guesting on one of the standout moments of the album the wife of michael cleary we talked about songwriting writing in general talked about lots of things so uh without further ado let's hear a little bit of hail mary from maya sophia and then we'll get into the chat on the point of everything podcast Dark again, but I could be happy. 
congratulations on being nominated for the Choice Prize, first and foremost. What a great way to start 2020. Yes, very, um, very good way to start 2020. Um, thank you. Were you expecting it? Were you kind of like, I made a, I made a great album. It's, it's like one of the best albums of the year. Um, no, I wasn't expecting it. Um, so many Irish albums were released this year. Like, I feel like, or sorry, last year. Um, like, I feel like in 2019, I was much more engaged with, there was like a lot of albums that came out that I was like, oh, that's really good. That's really good. That's really good. Um, and, you know, it's obviously very nice to be considered in the, in the group, but um, no, I wasn't expecting it. And there's, there's albums that I, that I feel maybe were more deserving than me. Well, I don't know. We're all deserving, <laughs> but competitions are silly. But <laughs> uh, is is it something that ever comes into the like n- maybe not the recording process side of it, but maybe at the release side of it? Like, it would be great if this was nominated. Is that anything that you wanted, or were you like, it'd be great if it happened, but I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to kind of like urge the world to make it happen. Um, to be completely honest. I didn't even really know what the Choice Prize was. Um, I'd heard of it, obviously, um, but I, I, yeah, it didn't enter my consciousness because I'm, well, firstly, I was very surprised in general that the album did better than I expected. Um, I, I just didn't really allow myself to think. I mean, obviously, I was like, oh, it'll be nice if people listen to it, but, you know, and people buy it or whatever, but, um, it was, yeah, it was just not even in my frame of thinking. I, was, I don't know. I, it's nice. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't think about it. And I'm still kind of trying not to think about these things because it just makes me anxious about making a second album. <laughs> just, I, I don't need that anxiety or, or pressure or anything. I keep having dreams about being in a submarine. And I said this to someone, and she was like, you are so under pressure. <laughs> not being in a submarine in relation to the choice prize or just like in general just in general the last few weeks i keep having recurrent dreams of like i'm underwater trapped in a submarine um which i've never had before and i do pay attention to my dreams at times especially if something keeps coming up and i said it to um i was talking to the artist suzanne walsh a few weeks ago and she immediately was like this is this is like the manifestation of the anxiety you feel about music-related pressure. I was like, wow, you're dead right. In terms of being underwater, being in this tight uh, little space? Like, well, if you're a submarine, you're, like un- you're literally under pressure, like underwater pressure. And I think even though I'm really so grateful and surprised at how much recognition the album has got, I'm also like, oh my God, I haven't written a good song in like six months. What am I going to do? <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> I was just imagining you, like, in the bath or something and you had a submarine, a toy submarine or something. I was wondering, was that maybe it? No? Um, maybe I can turn it into that. Maybe I can, like, minimise my fear by buying a little plastic submarine. I don't know. <laughs> so, have you actually written music since bath time was finished? Or was it kind of like you finished it and then you were just kind of like, you know, music is done for me now for a while? Um, well, I wrote the last song on the album, the latest one, in July 2018, which is when I started recording. 
And then I didn't write anything for a terrifyingly long time. It was at least, I think it was like eight months before I wrote a new song. And at that point I was like, like towards the end of the recording process, I like completely lost confidence in anything to do with music. And I was like, I'm giving up on music completely. I'm just gonna finish this. It's a little embarrassing thing that I've invested my time in for too long. And too many people have seen me publicly embarrass myself and I can't continue with this anymore. I'm just going to become an academic and never do anything public ever again. And then about eight months later, I wrote all these songs and I was like, oh, I still, and why am I writing songs? I don't want to do this anymore. It's too, like, I don't know. I, like, I just felt like really embarrassed by this, that like I'd like brought this attention on myself or something. And then I came full circle and was like, I was born to write songs. This is what, <laughs> I, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, and I wrote a huge flurry of songs and some of them are good, most of them are bad, but at least I wrote a lot of songs. And now I'm like, I think I'm moving into a place where I can more hopefully write more songs. I'm like out of the weird, like low and then like the kind of manic Hi, and I'm like, okay, I wrote a song last month. Hopefully, I'll write a song this month. See how it goes. If that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah. yes, I, I have been writing. Yeah, yeah. Is is that kind of um, the way it kind of works? You you do kind of have to wait a while after finishing a song, or wait a while, or, or just like your mind doesn't allow you to create something for a while, and then suddenly it is that kind of like creative spirit. Like, is it like you've got to continually do it and think about it? like to actually make a song um yeah I mean it is a very strange process that if I knew how it worked I'd probably do it more consistently I do know that I probably on average write about three good songs a year which is not a sustainable (laughs) amount it's not it's not good hopefully I'll get better when I have more time I don't know um and it at various points in my life I've experienced like my lowest lows I've had to like kind of like extricate myself from like the idea of being a songwriter if that makes sense because um I I'm less like this now but before if I wasn't writing if I was going through a, a phase of not being able to write I convinced myself that I was the worst human being in the world and I would never be good at anything again and I'm like a complete failure and like I guess it's like a form of narcissism in a way to be like um to put that much importance in your own writing or something but like it really affected my mood and my self-worth and it's like to the point where it wasn't it's like and then I'd write a song and it was like this is the best feeling in the world um and that's like too extreme a way to live your life and it's not healthy and it's not sustainable and it probably makes you a horrible person to be around because you're so obsessed with your work. You're, um, you're always thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've kind of fa- I, like I remove. I've like found a way to like remove myself from. Like it's not myself that right. It's like the songs aren't me. It's just like something that I do sometimes, and it's okay if I'm not doing it because I'll be doing other things too. If that makes sense. So it's so unpredictable. 
it feels great when a song does when when a song does happen it just happens like I'll just sit down and start writing and there'll be a fully formed song I won't even know where it came from and then I'll go six months of really laboring like really trying sitting at the piano for like hours picking up a guitar being like I don't even know where the notes are on this thing why have I convinced myself that I can do this and then out of nowhere one day I'll just write a full song without thinking about it so it's just like it's so stressful <laughs> so relieving as well I guess yeah yeah um yeah when it does happen it is the best feeling like it's I don't know it's like oh I've got this out of me I don't know it feels almost not to be like too hippie but it feels almost mystical at times like it's like sometimes I'll write a whole song in one sitting and just be like I have no idea where I got this from I didn't even these words weren't even in my consciousness or this story I don't know what I'm writing about and then over the coming weeks it'll be like this song kind of reveals itself to me if that makes sense like um like I, yeah, I'm trying to think of an example, but it's just going to sound too silly. But, yeah, like, it's... The process of writing a song, basically, is still a complete mystery to me. And that's probably a good thing. That's probably what makes interesting songs, if you don't fully analyse and make it formulaic or something. But it also means it's a very unsustainable practice. <laughs> so. Were you trying to force it in that eight months that you kind of went between writing songs? Were you like looking up, you know, Googling like how to write a song or, or singers um, creative process? You know how like writers do the my writing day and, you know, mm-hmm. they're always about, you know, you've got to be at the desk at 6 a.m. in the morning, write for a couple of hours. Like, were you looking up stuff like that or were you just were, were you happy not to be making music for a while? I was really happy not to be. I was, um, there's like an underlying anxiety, but I was also, um, I also f- felt fine. Like I, like I, because I was writing other things, like I, I, I kind of think of myself as a writer more than a musician, even though that sounds silly because I don't have any like musician training and I don't, I feel like an imposter with an instrument still, but like, and I put all my effort into the words, so if that makes sense. So I feel more comfortable thinking of myself in kind of like a, a, a word-related sphere rather than a musical one, because the music part is just kind of guesswork for me. But So even in that phase when I wasn't writing songs, I was writing stories and other things, and I was kind of like, okay, I'll just be a, I'll just be a writer. <laughs> um, I'll just write other things. Um, which is it's fine, which is fine, and that will probably happen again when I'm just not able to write songs and I'll write prose or something. Um, but I, yeah, I wasn't really looking up. I wasn't. I, I don't know. I was. I was definitely when I get into really bad phases of songwriter's block, and I want to still sing or something I start learning folk songs like I'm really interested in really old folk songs and why those songs have survived or whatever so I just yeah during that phase I got really into Planksty I was learning about the Planksty song annoying my housemates <laughs> I, I, I just finished reading or I read last year Leagues O'Toole's book on Planksty their, their, his book that he did about their whole career it was brilliant I got into Planksty a lot last year as well we could just talk about Planksty for the next half an hour if you want 
Uh, that's amazing. I actually really want to read that book as well. I was looking for it <clears throat> online. I couldn't find it. but um, Through the library. Through the library, really? Yeah. Actually, I recently just joined the Fibster Library, so brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. Um, just search for it online and you'll, you'll get it because I think it's out of print. It hasn't been printed in a while, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to come by, but it's one of the best music books I've ever read. Uh, the Humours of Planksty. Yeah, I need to read it. Um, I, I, I've seen the documentary that, I, that Leagues presented. I watched that in that phase. I was, yeah. I always go into like really obsessive phases. <laughs> it, isn't it mad to think about though, like back in the 1970s, that like there was this like hippy dippy, uh, like heavy folk uh, trad act and like they were just doing loads of drugs and they were just playing all around the place and they were bringing this music out. Like it's wild to think about. I know, it's amazing. And I also got really into, do you know Anne Briggs? She was, um, for some reason she's not way more famous, but she's like another kind of like 60s folk revival songwriter. And I think she only had a few albums. Like she, I don't know if she's going out with them. No, she's going out with one of the guys in Sweeney's Men and was like circling around the Planksy sphere and I was on her Wikipedia page and she was like oh she used to go skinny dipping in Donegal with Andy Irvine and I was like what a <laughs> wild time and then I was like I found photographs of her in Fibsborough and I was just like I'm I'm channeling her energy I'm learning all her songs I'm in Fibsborough there she is so yeah we got got really into that whole thing um yeah Planksy are amazing they're they're, they're Still the best, like <laughs> <laughs> still the best. Um, that's what's great about the internet as well, though, that there are people like that who mm-hmm. are there, and you can you can find them if you want to. There's a little bit of information. There's a little bit of like, you know, oh, this singer from the 1950s who just sang a little bit, and it's up on YouTube. It's yeah. great, you know. You can go down that treasure trove. I I read there's a lot there. I think, um, Vashti Bunyan was like the biggest, like commercial biggest one or whatever. But like, this like whole process of like there's been like a movement or not movement but like people someone like rediscovered Vashti Bunyan by finding her tapes in a drawer or something and there's like people are keep trying to find the next like hidden gem of the 60s folk revival or something and there was like do you know that Sybil Byer album called her green similar vibe again she was like recording songs in her house or something and then her son found her tapes in her desk drawer or something and released the album 50 years later or whatever um and yeah there's been loads of loads of stuff like that i think Anne breaks is her album got reissued on vinyl last year or something so um she's yeah loads of loads of like um a renaissance of like forgotten folk singers of the 60s or something um which is good but yeah <laughs> Um, do you think of your music as kind of folk or trad or, or or do you kind of think of like I don't know the way that you say that the 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 words are kind of the the main thing and the music is almost secondary to a degree I suppose mm. um, yeah i I feel very indebted to the folk tradition like I feel like in songs like medieval songs. Um, it's like the story that survived, if that makes sense. Like, you know, the uh, most songs are just like um, like a cappella or like um, this like oral history that's like folklore stories that have survived through songs or something. And 
I think that has been an influence on me in the way that it's the story and the narrative that's the most important aspect or something. But I don't even really know what folk music means anymore because to me, I'm like, folk music is like music that is passed down through like an oral culture since the medieval times or whatever. And it's like the... um, surviving like kind of history of a nation sort of thing and it's like like a thing of the past that um, resuscitates through various interpretations but then I keep getting called a folk songwriter um, which I find okay it doesn't offend me Um, but I also like I think of like the way like Lancome or Ye Vagabonds like do they what they record are folk songs. I know like Lancome write their own songs as well and they also kind of sound more like a metal band sometimes, but um like I don't know, like actual actually writing songs contemporarily, that's not a word, but whatever, um doesn't really fit into my category of what I understand folk music to be, but but I'm probably have a very narrow definition. Or maybe I'm like too much of a purist because people like Dylan and Leonard Cohen also get called folk singers. I guess Dylan did have folk albums, but, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know, People, it makes people more comfortable to be able to label something, and that's fine with me, <laughs> I guess. So, like, would you have a label for your own music yourself? Um, no. After all these years, I, I, I just tell people that I sing and play electric guitar, and that's not a very good... Um, I don't know why I don't have the right adjectives. The people have... What if I had that I like? Someone has called me gloom folk, which I like. Okay. <laughs> it's like um, that's funny. Um, yeah, it's always like alt folk, weird folk, gloom folk. Gloom folk is the best one. <laughs> what else have I heard? There's one that was like witch something, like witch. Using the word witch and then like a music genre. And I was like, I'll take it. Um, but I don't know. I think genres are funny. Um I don't put too much stock in it. I kind of want to make an album of pop bangers eventually, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Just get yourself a keyboard and then you'll be sorted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't really mind what people call me. The one thing I hate is oh. indie pop. Just don't call me indie pop. It's just so silly because it makes me think of like I don't know, like Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, I'm like that's <laughs> I don't know. That's a silly genre. I don't want yeah. that one. <laughs> I, d- I try not to label acts too much unless it's obvious. Like, they're mm. rock. Mm, in Indian itself is almost like a difficult label. Mm. Anyway, yeah. no, you can tie yourself up in knots if you think about it enough. Yeah. Um, but, like, did you always have the sound that you have from the start? Like, when you started making music, is this kind of what you envisage the sound to be? Or was it like, oh, this is the sound that you become after a couple of years of trying? I think it's like, the sound that you become after a couple of years of trying. I like when I I never really put much thought into like the sound, if that makes sense. Like I I was just writing songs in my bedroom on an acoustic guitar first when I was a teenager and then was sick of people kinda putting me in the kind of kind of felt like a very sexist categorization like it's like oh you're a girl with acoustic guitar you're gonna be like taylor swift um as in when i started writing songs it was like taylor swift and her kind of like 
country twee face. She's gone and done something completely different now in Fairfighter. May not pop up exactly. But um, I don't know. I kept getting like people like I'd show up by myself, a very like young small girl with an acoustic guitar, and I was like, I don't want to be in that inoffensive song like singer songwriter Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran was massive then. He still is, but it was like when Ed Sheeran's first song came out that I first started writing songs, and I was like, I can't, I can't be in this category. This repulses me. Sorry, sorry to Ed Sheeran, <laughs> um, uh, because of what I was listening to when, uh, when at the time I was just obsessed with the Velvet Underground. So I was like, in my head, that's what I wanted to do more than Ed Sheeran, which is a silly teenage thing. I don't want to do any of those things now, but. Um, then, so I decided to play electric guitar just because I was like, firstly, um, my acoustic guitar was shit and someone gave me a really good guitar as a gift. But that was electric guitar. So I was like, oh, this is a much easier guitar to play and it sounds better or whatever. And then also, I was playing like a black Gibson SG, which is like the ACDC guitar. <laughs> um, so that like subverted people's expectations or like made it made it less easy for like, annoying usually male bookers to be like oh twee girl you're gonna be singing country pop songs or something so that was kind of just like because I was getting annoyed that I started playing electric guitar and then I just stuck with it um just because it's easy um and then this I don't know how the sound developed in the studio like I've definitely tried out different things like I was like oh maybe I'll try doing a song with a full band and like drums and bass and everything and that just didn't I would like to do that again in the future in a different way but I think I need to I think I like to be in control and I don't understand how drums work so having a drummer on the album didn't make sense to me because I was like I can't be a control freak about it whereas I understand synths and I understand strings so I played violin for years so I was like I know how these elements work and I know how to like manipulate them to sound in the way I want so um, that was just me being a control freak really and also I happen to know a very good violinist and a very good harpist <laughs> and all my friends basically I was like okay you play that instrument let's see how this sounds in the studio and it was just very natural and coming to that weird sound and also weirdly I was uh, listening to the Velvet Underground again loads when I was recording I know that's probably an influence that doesn't isn't an obvious one, but the Velvet Underground and Nico album, I love the way that's recorded, that it sounds very kind of minimal and um, unpolished. Um, so I was listening to that loads in the studio and was like, yeah, I'd rather have something that sounds like that rather than something that sounds very pristine. So yeah, it was kind of half a conscious decision, half a natural progression. I guess you just kind of figure it out like you know you try out you know that kind of, the indie pop kind of stuff with the drums and you're like actually no that's not really for me but when you went into the um, studio I can't think of the name of it now but like did you have um, the all of the songs done ready to go and you were like not mm, I guess being a control freak like this is how you wanted them to sound or was it kind of revealed to you over a couple of like I, th I think the way it worked, it took a few months and it took kind of the same takes and you kind of layered them over each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the first day, uh, 
God. I started recording the album in like a manic state where I was like having a, a period of loads of extreme changes in my life and was like my mental health was just completely all over the place and I was like I had no money and I kind of had this weird feeling of like I'm running out of time if I don't make an album this summer I'm never going to do it and I'm just going to have to give up on everything which is so silly because I was like just turned 23 at that point <laughs> I was like I don't know um, so I went into the studio with Chris and I was like we just have to do it all in one day because I don't have any money and we recorded all the guitar and vocal parts in one go to set up the microphones played it all live the guitar is about out of tune <laughs> some of it there's like yeah it's just bits are, bits are out of tune we didn't use click tracks so there's no the timing's a bit all over the place I actually had a cold that day as well so I find my voice a bit un- like at times I'm like why didn't I think to re-record <laughs> the vocals but whatever there's no point listening back to your own work um, and then after that one day Chris sent me the mixes or the the initial uh, bounces of the songs and we both listened to them and I didn't really actually know Chris at all the time and I was like actually quite intimidated by him because he's like an amazing producer and engineer although he doesn't like to call himself producer but he's very knowledgeable about music and very good at what he does and I felt like I was very shy and nervous going in um, so I was afraid I'd like say the wrong thing or like make a suggestion that he'd judge me for thinking that would be a good idea which is so silly um, but then very slowly over over a year was it a year? no it was a long time it was several months um, like one day a month basically whenever the studio was free because Chris is very busy and whenever I had any money um I would get like a musician to come in and like improvise basically I'd say something like I want this kind of vibe and like I'd explain it in like terms of atmosphere or something like can you do something like this and every single musician that played um, was absolutely amazing and most of the I think the cello we spent a day kind of figuring out because the cello is such a prominent part in some songs but most of them it was just like I'd kind of like I'd hum a melody. I think with a harp, I like was like, what about a melody like this? And then Maeve would just play it straight away. I was like, oh, that's perfect. And so, loads of the instruments um, that other people are playing were just also in one take, improvised over the initial tracks. And I didn't really think about what we we're doing. I was kind of like, just try this, just try this, just try this. And then it just, yeah, came together. We it wasn't until the we were me and Chris were listening back. And we're starting mixing it, and we we're just like, "This is such a weird album." Like, I didn't, ex- I didn't set out to make like an experimental weird album or anything, but like, there's like a Juno synth and like an Irish harp on the same songs, and like an out of tune SG, and I was just like, "What are we doing?" But it was good. It was fun. I just didn't. I don't know. Try not to take the process too seriously, but also believe in yourself. I don't know. <laughs> Believe in yourself and you can achieve anything. Um, I, I will ask you just about uh, Junior Brother, who provides vocal backup vocals on The Wife of Michael Cleary. Yeah. Uh, tell me about recording with him, who's also uh, up against you, rival in the in the choice prize. Uh, was it? Uh, how did you get to know him? And like, was it an obvious one to just ask him to help out with the vocals? Um, yeah, I first met him. When did I first meet him? He was playing a gig 
with a band called Cat Palace, who don't exist anymore. Uh, Chris actually was in the band, and uh, David Blaney, who moved to America. Okay. Or maybe, I think he's back now, but uh, somebody else, I can't remember. They're kind of like, dare I say, an indie pop band. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Junior Brother was supporting them, a tiny gig in Workman's that hardly anyone was at. Um, and everyone was very drunk, including me. And I just remember being like, it's so great to meet someone else from the West. <laughs> like, oh. And he was probably like, you crazy lunatic, get away from me. But then I was doing a single launch a few months later and I asked him to support me. And I definitely was like, definitely probably creeped him out because I was like completely enamored by him. And I was just like, I just think you're amazing. I just think you're so good. You're just the best, like, best song I've ever seen. And he was probably like, okay. <laughs> um, really wasn't. Anyway, and then I asked him to sing on a song well he he told me actually at that gig that he'd been trying to write about Bridget Cleary as well but couldn't he was like I want to put her in a song somehow or something but he never finished it or something and he said he really liked that song and then when and then I was like oh you should I kind of wanted to have a male voice on the album at some point because like I really like male and female voices together and I love his voice and it just made perfect sense um and then he came to the studio, uh, did it in literally, like, I would say two takes. And he he came up with the melody that he sings. He, like, that harmony, kind of slightly delayed harmony, like a round almost. And it was just brilliant. And it was after a really long day of, no, two really long days of just nothing going right. And me and Chris were getting, like, annoyed with everyone, with each other. And I was like... And Chris said something like, I usually enjoy recording, but this has been really difficult. And I was like, oh no, he hates me. And then Ronan came in and did his piece really well. And um, everyone cheered up and it was really good. And we all went for a pint afterwards and everything was fine. <laughs> so, yeah, it was great. I, I love Ronan. Um, his music is great. Um, he is my competition now, though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but do you, and so do you think of the album kind of looking at it as a whole was, was that the intention that you kind of set out uh, with kind of like there's these stories of all of these kind of uh, women running throughout it like I think you've kind of documented it uh, people want to look it up uh, a little bit more and a little bit more mm-hmm. in depth but was that kind of the plan at the start like with the actual words and kind of the writing side of it you wanted to kind of showcase these women's lives um, no, not at all. It wasn't a plan. Um, it was completely coincidental, and I'm really trying to like find a different thing to write about now. Um, I yeah, I didn't realize that there was like a a thread running through the album until the recording was finished, and I was trying to think of a title, and I was like listening to it and trying to think of like themes or like, and I was like, God, there's loads of I've really done this thing. <laughs> I've really got a pattern here. I've got like a uh, a theme anyway, um, which now looking back makes sense um, because it's I have I've always been interested in like the kind of wives and girlfriends of great artists and the role they play in creative partnerships. That's like. Silenced and marginalized, but also kind of vampirized, if that makes sense. Like, um, like the powerful, dominant figure in a relationship, which is because of 
culture and society generally male um like decides on the narrative and gets to put across an image or something and I've always been interested in the kind of like shadowed voices maybe or the muse that like you know the muse is like this like pretty face but of course there's like an internal world there as well that I'm interested in and something that I I come back to a lot um but and also like most of the songs were written alongside intense campaigning for the repeal um referendum so and so much of that campaign like so much of the the run-up to the referendum was like collecting women's stories that had of like things that had had to happen in secret obviously um and there were so many like people coming out with testimonies and like personal stories and also in like Ireland since then there's been like such a wave of like like I didn't particularly like Emily Pine's book but that book the, the popularity of that book of like actually here's like a woman's voice telling her own story and there's been like I guess that's probably like a symptom of the internet I'm going off point here but like I think it, I think looking back now the theme in the songs was just very it was like a natural reaction to what was happening culturally and in my life at the time um but it wasn't and it wasn't a decision but it makes sense to me now that of course I'd be writing about these things yeah. maybe um and do you write uh is it all in character or are there large parts of your own life that are in there like there are obviously lines that like is, is that her and and do you think it kind of matters like I was reading an interview with Emer McBride um today just about her her new book Strange Hotel which is coming out soon and uh she was just saying that you know the the interviewer is kind of suggesting that um like there are aspects of her, you know is it a memoir sort of thing in a way mm-hmm. um but she's like no if I want to write a memoir I'll write a memoir if I want to write about my own life I'll write about my own life this is a novel it's completely all made up like just from the album point of view like is is it you in there is it like all of just these characters these real life characters as well um yeah I think that's a thing that women writers always get like there's like a double sword like firstly it's like you're not allowed like it's shameful to write about yourself or it's like you can't invent something so you're writing about yourself but also then it's like you should write about yourself. That's the only thing you're allowed to write about. I don't know. Uh, I there is definitely a lot of myself in there. <laughs> um, I think um, I just think that my own life and my own my own subjectivity is the only way I can morally write about the world. Like I don't really believe in like objective truths or something. So even when I'm writing about Bridget Cleary or whatever um I think the only way it's appropriate to use her story and I still don't even know if it is appropriate to take these horrible stories from history and put them into pop songs but I've done it so I'm gonna have to defend it somehow um I think that the only way I can I can make it ethical for myself is that I I can only write from how I subjectively feel about something so even when I'm writing something that's completely outside of my life, it's very much filtered through my own gaze and my own understanding. 
But having said that, then there's also very autobiographical songs on the album as well that are um, like like the song Morning. It's just like a straightforward narrative of like specific real events in my life. And I don't want to say which songs are actually about my real life. I want to okay. keep it mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yes, there's like a there's like balance. I, am, I like the idea of songs that can be fictional because songs hardly ever get to be fictional. It's like people always assume that songs are um, autobiographical in the way that someone would assume that a novel is made up. But I also I also know, even saying that, that it's never black and white. There's some huge parts of the songs are like invented and then there's it's it's me it's like coming through me and it's being um filtered by my own experience and writing about myself so yeah it's a it's a blur it's a, a hybrid of of fact and fiction <laughs> That's good. did i ask you earlier is it uh is it cathartic writing these songs um did i ask that oh. yeah uh you didn't ask me that yet but i'm uh is it cathartic yes i think I think performing them is more cathartic. I find like the actual physical act of singing is cathartic. I think the writing is m- is it no, it's the writing isn't cathartic. The writing is like it's hell trying yeah. to <laughs> the, it's like if the right the writing is like summoning something into me and it's like I'm trying to inhabit that space or like yeah the writing is like a summoning process and then the performance is like the exorcism of whatever it is i've summoned if that makes sense without like being it, yeah. too ridiculous this is feeding into the genre of that witch type <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe my genre is like ritual or like exorcism <laughs> exorcism folk <laughs> i think it's it's the singing the physical act of actually expelling the words that sounds so stupid and pretentious but that's the cathartic part whereas the writing is the like the work maybe although performing is work as well (laughs) (laughs) and and do you get it in any other kind of art form that you do like the writing side of things like the academic side of things do you feel anything similar that gives you that feeling to music yeah completely I am I love um, the rigor of like academic study and writing. Like, um, I love going really deep into a topic and researching. Like, even my songs are like in a weird way very researched. Like, I I love just like reading about stuff and like going down rabbit holes. And I kind of get a similar kind of satisfaction in like finishing an essay, or whether that's an essay for academia or for my own personal essay writing that we'll probably never see the light of day but that's okay it's good to have something for yourself um and yeah when I finish a story I like I write I write songs which are out in the world and then I write like short stories and short essays that maybe I will maybe I'll send them to people I don't know Uh, at the moment it feels very much like like I get I get the same feeling of satisfaction finishing an essay or, or a story or the same kind of like I think the only time I feel like why I continue to do this strange thing that is songwriting is like and writing other things is that it's the only time I feel grounded in life it like gives me like a purpose which I sounds so stupid to say but like 
I don't know, like, I, I know that, like, my life has been very chaotic, and the world seems increasingly chaotic, and it kind of feels like a kind of self-protection, or like a, a, not to be so extreme and dramatic, but like a survival mechanism, or like a coping mechanism in, like, writing, maybe that's how it's cathartic, but, um, I, I get that from songwriting, and I also get it from writing other things, um, and I'm also, um, because songwriting has suddenly become an aspect of myself that's been made public, I'm kind of wary about, like, ever publishing my other writing, because I don't, even though I, I mean, I probably will one day, it's probably like a confidence thing or something, or I'd like to, I probably would like to one day, but it, um, I want, it's like, I want to keep something that's like my coping or like my my grounding process to myself that without having to have like the submarine of public pressure or something whereas like songwriting even though I love it feels like it's almost been like solid no that's too extreme it's been like it, I'm more self-conscious about it because I feel like there's an expectation on me now whereas I can write in other forms without that anxiety maybe mm-hmm. Do you think that kind of pressure just comes from the Choice Prize nomination, like just in the past month, or do you think it's just kind of uh, grown? No, I mean, that definitely has... Well, the Choice Prize nomination, like, felt validating, like, it felt good. Um, for it's good. I mean, it's, it's like a double-edged sword, because it's like it's good to be recognised, and it's good to be praised, or, you know, it's good to have all that. Um, but I, but no, the the anxiety about being in in public has been growing since probably since I started making the album. Probably since I I don't know maybe like the last year or so. Um, just since more people have come to my music, people, I'm like so like it's my own. I shouldn't ever complain about it because I did this to myself. Like like by being a musician and putting yourself on a stage in front of people sending your music to music magazines or whatever and doing interviews it's like i am i've willingly consented to putting myself in the public eye but it also and also i'm not i'm not really in the public eye like i'm still an all but anonymous but it's still like um it's anxiety inducing or it's like um i i think it just makes me I think I just like my whole life I've been very invisible and I've like been a very naturally shy person and then I should have like obviously being a musician is gonna like put you on a platform in some way but I still find it strange I guess and I'll probably get used to it or maybe I'll just retreat to the countryside and become a hermit I don't know yet (laughs) Um, so before we get to March 5th and the choice prize ceremony uh, you're playing quarter block party this weekend as people are listening to it Uh, I've seen you a couple of times in Cork seems like kind of a a nice place for you to uh, to perform and you've done some nice gigs there yes I absolutely love playing in Cork Um, and I'm not just saying that because (laughs) I'm about to play quarter block party like I think before I started, I'm going to do my first gig in Cork, definitely less than two years ago, probably. Um, was Quarter Block Party last year my first gig in Cork? Potentially. Probably I'm forgetting something, but um, I didn't know anyone in Cork. Well, my sister lived there for a while, and then 
like since doing gigs there, like I've made friends with Elaine Malone and Keelan and Ashling, and they're all just like amazingly nice people. And like the whole music scene in music scene, hate that word. Um, the whole like community of musicians and promoters in Cork is like so lovely. And John, who runs Quiet Lights as well, is like an amazingly lovely person. And also Margie, who's they're just they're just all really nice people. <laughs> I just really love playing in Cork, and I really love all the musicians I've met in Cork. That's how I might just end all of my interviews this year. I, I think it'll just be like, tell me how great Cork is. You know, I might just do that. Um, and so in the Choice Prize uh, on March 5th, you're going to be playing on Bicker Street, which is amazing. No pressure. Uh, but say, say, take yourself out of it. What album would you like to see win on, on the night? Um, would you my, like to see? Do you think we'll win? My personal favourite album, the one that I've listened to most, is Lancome. I absolutely love that album and Rady is a good friend and um, you know Lancome are nice people so <laughs> I'm like they're deserving winners um, but also would be happy if Junior Brother won because you know he's like on a similar level to me and I'm like good job we're, we're <laughs> here we're here so, like giving a voice to the underground <laughs> like the weirdos and also I love girl band so um, who else is on the list? Circa Richardson. She's. I actually have not listened to this album enough, but I, on first listen, I really liked it, and she's also a lovely person. We shouldn't take lovely pe- someone being a lovely person into account, though. But it's something that comes yeah. up in Irish music a lot. I find it's like, oh, he's such a lovely guy. You know, I mean, the music. I think the music is terrible. But yeah. such a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, and but then I just you know, there's enough like dickheads doing well in the world like look at Trump like most successful person in the world and like a complete asshole so it's good to see good nice people succeed so yeah the girl bad are also lovely people just but <laughs> all that I, I'm probably other I don't do I know anyone else I, th- I think all, all of them are, yeah. everyone's lovely everyone on the list is lovely I think it's a really great list I think it shows just how great uh, the um, Irish music scene is <laughs> um, at the moment and uh, more than deserving to be on there as well yourself so thanks a lot for chatting uh, today and best of luck thank you for having me